on this episode, we talk about budgets, widescreens, and counterfeit gear. All that and more on the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Nation is brought to you by Sure. Because every voice matters. Ed Check Episode 103 Budgets and Big Screens. Hello, AV friends, and welcome to another episode of Ed Tech. Um, as usual, we have our awesome panel of amazing higher ed AV professionals. Let's start off with Ernie Bailey. Hi, Ernie. Hi, Aaron. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And then we've got Rob Raspberry. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. And of course, Scott Tyner. How are you doing, Scott? I'm doing well. Happy New Year, everybody. It's great to be back and doing this again in a new year. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we've got lots of interesting stuff to talk about today. So I'm just going to jump right into it with... Um, Another amazing article by Scott Tyner on Rave Pubs. Tis the season. Um, so I'll let Scott kind of uh, cue it up for us. Uh, yeah, this is uh, not, not always the best way to start the new year, right? It wasn't really the, the, a great way to end the year. Um, I, I'm thinking a lot about budget for next year. I think we all are. And I think that uh, personally, I'm starting to see some writing on the wall that says we've got some issues coming up in our budgets. And some of the things I mentioned here are, I mean, first of all, we've got uh, many AV manufacturers who across the board have raised their prices 20%, right? So if you want your budget to stay the same for next year, boom, 20% has to be added to it. Uh, at the same time, we have inflation at 7%. And so if you haven't heard it yet, uh, my assumptions you're going to be hearing from your um, VPs of finance saying we need to find some ways to uh, cut our costs. Um, so there's just there's a number of these things kind of um, colliding with each other all at the same time that I'm um, I'm somewhat concerned about. And then we add on top of that, of course, all of the stuff we've added over the past three years in order to support COVID. And it's almost this perfect storm where I, I can see we're needing 20, 30% budget increases, maybe to keep up and keep our rooms going. Um, and we're being told by our finance people, hey, can you cut your budget 5%? Yeah, that's, that's a tough one because it's not like the number of rooms we need to update is changing. In fact, it's probably, it's getting, getting more or it, the amount needed per room is increasing. Um, I'm also finding that my, the salaries for my team, um, my budget needs to increase. Um, I had a few of them come to me with offers from other schools that I've had to attempt to match or at least come close to. Um, and I'm afraid that that's gonna not be a trend that ends. And if I want to keep having a revolving door on uh, my department, I need to make sure that my, my team's getting paid. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a challenge we're seeing. And right now, 
uh, our organization's not offering matches. They're saying we'll find somebody else. That's that's what I'm being told by HR. Is you can find somebody else. We're not going to increase their salary. It, it, it's actually pretty crazy because it you know with a not only with the price increase, you know I've lost a number of people to the reverse trend where you know they're going to corporate. You know, and yeah. they're getting these fantastic offers. They obviously are okay with selling their soul to the devil. That's fine. But um, <laughs> so, you know, you, it, when you try to retain people like that, it's very difficult. And then also I'm finding that the talent pool out there is sort of hard, harder to get to. So you're dealing with this personnel change and then this increase in pricing. And it's like you have to do what they always love to tell you to do is do more with less. You know, it's just yes. like, nah, how? <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. Because it's not like we have a lot of money in other areas that we can trim from either. My travel budget's already very minimal and I'd love to increase that so that my team and I could all go to, you know, various trade shows or at least one you know, each person be able to go to one per year or some kind of conference or training. Um, and that seems to be the first place that they want to trim from, but it's like, it's already minimal as it is. Yeah. And then they, and so they, they have you hire people who, Oh, hi, hire some people that aren't quite advanced and, and we'll train them. And it's like, no, nah, you know what? We're actually not going to train them. <laughs> you train them. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's an interesting situation that I'm curious to see is going to, going to play out uh, over the next uh, six months, but I'm, I'm a little concerned about, well, more than a little concerned about it. Right. Cause, and then it makes you wonder, uh, are they going to want us to use subpar equipment in spaces because it's cheaper, but doesn't it do the same thing? I can buy that at Best Buy. <laughs> like yeah. hopefully, hopefully it doesn't get to that point. Well, my argument there is when you buy it at Best Buy, when you put it into a commercial or institutional environment, the warranty is immediately voided. Uh, and that that's worked for us so far. Uh, oh, yeah. I but, mean, it, yeah, it, it, the, the price up front might be cheaper, but in the long run, it costs right. you more because you have to replace it sooner. Right. And it's just, it's just not meant for the kind of wear and tear that we in higher ed put it through. Exactly. Um, and, you know, one thing uh, we're looking at is we're not enhancing really any rooms. We're not adding new bells and whistles. We're doing the status quo in all of our rooms. Yes, we're getting, the, we're keeping them current, but we're keeping, you know, uh, same functionality even when we're putting in new technology. We're not adding new functionality. We're not investing in uh, new gadgets and gizmos to, you know, really make it, make it sing, uh, which then that affects recruiting. You know, when you bring in potential students and they see that, you know, you don't have what the uh, school three hours down the road has, they're going to, they're going to draw your top students. Absolutely. And especially for the schools that may not have like the football programs or right. they like the certain student life, activities that you know may be the big draw you kind of have to use the technology as the draw and if that's getting cut we'll just let we'll just let that go down the 
negative trail and sweep yeah. it away. <laughs> right? Yeah. Start, uh, start letting your higher ups know sooner than later. Start letting them know that uh, as, as if they're, if your budget is being cut or frankly being kept the same, that um, here's, here's what I won't be able to do next year. That's an excellent way of, of thinking about it too. And I um, recently, the budget never really was too much part of what my position was. I was just like, spend it, spend it, spend it. And we have it, right? Okay. But Mm -hmm. now that that is part of my responsibility, I look back and I'm like, wait a minute, our, my budget has not changed in four years. And so I'm like, if they want to try to keep it the same or lower it, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. But that's it added buildings in, in the past four years and which means you've added rooms it's it's a complex situation that's going to um, come to a head well another issue that scott brought up is the supply chain issue and if we order it now but it doesn't come in till the next next fiscal year it's co- we've paid for it twice because we've lost the money out of this year's budget and then it's tagged to next year's so we don't have the money available to buy more new stuff in the following year. That's happened to me in the past, and I think there's a good chance it'll happen this year. Uh, During COVID, I did manage to get some of it carried over based on the fact that we had ordered it, you know, before January. We had ordered it in October, between October and December, and it still wasn't here in, uh, by the end of June. I, I made a big enough argument and they allowed us to carry the money over, let it just sit there as opposed to going back to the general budget. But they told me I'm, I can't do that again. Oh, because mm. you would think that since it's earmarked in a PO already that they would kind of be like, oh, well, that that's already. Well, you know, the thing earmarked is and- that we, sh- we should know now what the supply chain issues are and we shouldn't be ordering things that are going to take that long to get here. That would mean you'd never order anything, though, right, Ernie? Exactly. Or you don't you don't order the things that you need because they're not going to be available for two or three years. Uh, and of course, if you order it now, it doesn't get here for two or three more years. There might be something new and better out there, but you don't have something you can trade for it. Yeah, and it's not like you could be like, "Oh, that stuff's not arriving, so let's spend that amount now." But what no. are you going to spend it on if there's nothing really exactly. available? Yeah. Happy New Year. Yeah. <laughs> Great way to start. Yep. On to something that's a little more entertaining, potentially. Um, AV Magazine um, had an article um, on avinteractive.com. Front row fuels Draper's expansion into 21 by 9 screens. So it sounds great. and But in higher ed, do we really have a need for this? What about what do you guys think? So I, I mean, I guess the the, the push for the twenty one nine is to you know have more up on the screen and be able to use a better workspace and things of this sort. So I, I, it, it's sort of a half and half kind of thing, you know. Do we really need it? I, I don't know if it's necessary. Would it be nice to have? Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's something that we haven't even we sort of just been investigating, haven't really thought about it, you know, in earnest and, 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 and implementation. 
And, and I suppose until somebody, you know, shows me the product and says, well, this is why you should go to 21 to nine. And this is a big, you know, advantage. I, I, I'm not sure it's absolutely necessary, at least in my, in my area. Yeah. I kind of agree. You know, uh, we said earlier, uh, you know, we're not putting in new technologies and I would write, write this in as a new technology for us. Um, uh, I can see it in some of our administrative conference rooms where we might be doing teams like that. We do not use teams in classrooms. Uh, we generally use either blackboard collaborate or zoom, uh, or we're just doing straight up, uh, PowerPoint or, uh, web presentations that are all going to be in a 16 by nine format. I don't see us getting our, I mean, it was a challenge to get our faculty to change from four to four by three to 16 by nine images, uh, you know, and rebuild all their slides. I don't think we're going to get them to do it again and do a 21 by nine format. Uh, and like I said, if we're not using uh, front row, you know, I'm not seeing this product offered by anyone other than teams. So if somebody wants a 21 by nine desktop display, those are easy to find. Uh, you can get those from Dell or anybody else now uh, and have it on your desk, but putting it in a conference room or a classroom, I don't see it happening on our campus. What about you, Scott? You seeing any uses? I, I can't actually even dream of a use. Like we don't use teams at all. Um, and I'm just, until there's more of a need for it. I mean, it, it's funny, right? Working in higher ed, we're all, we're, my opinion is kind of like the last thing we need is wider screens in rooms. Um, <laughs> that just blocks more of that chalkboard, doesn't it? Uh, exactly. so I, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I, 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 no, I, I don't, I don't see much of a need for it, but I mean, clearly, you know, Draper's done some industry research here and thinks that this is going to be a, a product that, uh, that they can sell. Right. Because I feel like probably one of the places that would potentially get more use of it would be in maybe a conference space. Yeah. Uh, but in a conference space, they're probably more likely to have flat screen monitors as opposed right. to projection anyway. Although rewind to maybe 20 years ago, my art history department would have loved it for side-by-side -side slide projectors. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like that was pretty much like the, the big need for side-by-side, -side, you know, widescreen, at least that, you know, that I know of, but currently yeah we just for those schools that use teams in front row it you know it could be you know nice to have in a, in some spaces yeah i have to you know sort of see see how you know teams matures um i mean we are a, a microsoft sort of a shop when it comes and we do use teams i mean we use teams in certain instances not so much as video, you know, for main teaching and, and, and that kind of thing, more it's collaboration, instant messaging, th those kinds of things. But I've certainly seen teams take a lot of strides in moving forward to sort of become the new Zoom, if you want to call it that, but it still has a, a bit of a ways to go. And, and once, you know, it possibly gets there, then maybe, you know, as robust as it can be, maybe we could see something being used with a 21 by nine. But I, I yeah. think it's got a ways to go. I, I'm not yeah. even sure if it'll absolutely ever eclipse Zoom, but it's certainly uh, getting there. And, you uh, know, when you have an ecosystem, 
that uh oh that is set for that then you could economically see maybe we could try that right and i could see if we were seeing this from zoom and from webex and uh any any of the other conferencing tools that we see out there if it became you know standardized across multiple platforms we call our classrooms uh codec agnostic okay I'll, I, I can do Zoom, Teams, WebEx, all from one one platform, you know, uh, one hardware platform, uh, basically a PC and a projector, uh, as opposed to back when we used to have a Cisco codec or a Tanberg codec or a Polycom codec, or sometimes we had rooms that had multiple ones. So if you're doing a Polycom class, you use this one, or you hit a different button on your touch panel and it rerouted everything over to the Tanberg system, but um, we've gone away from that. We've gone away from any of the dedicated hardware devices. And I've got, you know, we're not putting Zoom rooms in. We're not putting team rooms in. We're putting in conferencing rooms that can do any of them. And I'm, so that would preclude me from putting this in because it's only usable really by uh, teams. And I would need something that would work with everything. Absolutely. Like you have to stay flexible. This exactly. seems like a very purpose built situation. So you'd yeah. have to have a department or, you know, a group of people who are like, this is what we use and we're going to use this space all the time for this. And right. that's so rare in higher ed because everybody wants to use everything. Well, you also, when you, when you put a projection screen in a room, you're looking at a 20 to 25 year installation. You know, it's, it's going to be there for that long. So you need something that's going to last. And, you know, if you just recently upgraded the room, that's a very, I mean, the changing out a projection screen is the most expensive part of a renovation that you do. I mean, we very seldom change it out. We're good at even, you know, just changing out the roller and the fabric. Uh, with an advantage series or something like that. Because, uh, you know, here you've got to rip out the ceiling and redo redo electrical, everything. And it's, once again, it's very expensive and it's uh, for one use. Yeah, because even if you wanted to, like, reuse an old uh, motor and casing right. and just put up the the drape that's the that's yeah. uh size it's it's gonna then look strange because it's gonna be yeah. the same height but it's gonna or it's gonna be like shorter and right at the same width that the old screen used to be so yeah so it's you have to deal with infrastructure changes and yeah. uh nightmare <laughs> no thank you oh yeah so i think we're all thinking that this is more of a novelty at this point, at least for higher ed. For right now. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Well, then let us move on to an article by AV Nation. Uh, L Acoustics obtains prison sentences for loudspeaker counterfeiters. Um, that is not something I had ever really thought of even that there are companies out there you know, slapping a name brand name on 
counterfeit AV products. Um, you know, like have have you guys ever seen anything like that? We saw it just a few years ago. Uh, someone was doing that with uh, Elmo document cameras, and they were failing quickly. And then you send them back in or turn the serial number to Elmo, and they said we didn't make that. Uh, so uh, we didn't have any of those on our campus, but I, I remember several people posting about those. Uh, so I have seen it before. This is the first time I've ever seen punishment for it. And especially prison sentences. I like, I like it because it solidifies our industry. In this, especially these days with the supply chain being what it is, if there are companies out there that can come up with a product that, you know, does something similar to products we want, but then they're like, you know, they slap a Tron on the side of it. And, um, you know, I, I could see that potentially being an issue because it'd be like, oh, there's something, it's available. I got it. Um, I, I suppose I could see this is this, if it's going to happen, this is a time, you know, when it could potentially happen, but I could definitely see it being very problematic. It's definitely been a bit of an issue with um, the chips. I know that there's been a, uh, an issue with chips being um, counterfeited uh, because of the, the shortages. The, I, I'm with her. The thing that surprised me is the, the punishment. I mean, let's face it, China is infamous for stealing IP uh, and having no punishments for stealing IP. Um, so I, I, I find it fascinating that China actually cooperated in this. I guess the other one that kind of confuses me, I mean, were these people buying these speakers like just off some random internet site? Like how did these, how did these end up in a, some kind yeah. of mainstream purchasing? That's what I, I, I struggle with that as well. That's a good point. It's like, did they fall off the back of a truck? <laughs> I, I, eBay? I mean, I'm, I'm not even being facetious. I'm serious. I, it has to have been some, like you said, Aaron, somebody was having issues with supply chain and went on eBay or something and, and bought this. Yeah. Cause I feel like our trusted resellers, like we wouldn't have that sort of issue with, at least no. we, I would hope. I mean, I like things, you know, we're seeing some new manufacturers appear that we hadn't seen before or were not really mainstream who are stepping up and making products now that compete with those that you can't get a hold of and they're using their own chipset or a generic chipset, but able to do the same thing, putting a little bit lower price tag or sometimes even slightly higher than the name brand, but they're shipping. And I mean, we're trying some of those now for some items that we can't get because of supply chain issues. And the manufacturer says, you know, well, you'll get it in, third quarter of 2024 or something like that. And I've got to have it now. I'm willing to try somebody else's product, you know, get one of them anyway and bring it in here. And we found some that we've been successful with and, you know, are we going to go back to the known name brand? I don't know if we will or not. Uh, if we're successful with this and they're able to deliver during the crisis, but it's it's not a counterfeit product. It's got its own name brand, and they're because they're delivering their name brand is becoming known. And 
I think they'll have more than one of the uh, end of the row uh, booths at Infocom next year, you know? I think that in any industry, you're going to have some unsavory elements. And I think that, you know, especially in tech, somebody's going to try to, you know, work an angle that isn't legal, you know? So it's just like, you know, you go and, you know, they'll slap a, a sticker of like a Nike sticker on something that is not, or whatever you want to call it, a Sony, they'll, they'll just do anything they can to make money. And, and ultimately it's like, you sit there and wonder what, did you do to vet that? What did you do to screen that? If this, was this a different yeah. distributor? Is it, you know, a different make? And like you said earlier, you're willing to go with something that is not, uh, I'm not going to say mainstream or well-known, but you're going to vet it out first. You're going to say, okay. I'm not going to order 30. I'm going to order right. one or two, see exactly. if they work, if they do. And then they tell me they can deliver 28 uh, next month. I'll do it. You know, if, yeah. if we test it and it worked, and we didn't have to spend, you know, multiple hours reprogramming every system. Uh, and that's what we're finding. It's just a configuration issue. Then we're more than willing to give it a try and put them in. Because then I can upgrade my rooms in the proper fiscal year. You know, I do find interesting on these that, you know, one of the issues they've got is safety. Because I mean, these are uh, flying speaker uh, arrays. And one of the issues is they're falling. It's I, I agree. I, I, that stuck out to me as well, but that also made me laugh, which is they're actually putting enough work into these things to make them look and work like speakers, which I'm like, if you really look, just looking to scam people and make a counterfeit, just put a box with nothing in it and they get the box. And it's like, Oh, well, what am I going to do? Right. It, it's, 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 yeah. uh, I don't know. I, I'm like, there's more to this story. We need yeah. Paul Harvey to do something with this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was thinking there was, it, it could potentially be a safety issue if they're just kind of like slapping the things together and soldering a few few parts of the board and then people actually are plugging it in and running power through these things and signal. And I can see th that being potentially dangerous too. But yeah. the fact that the it seems like in these articles, like these things were working. It was just more of a, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking if I can make a working one and I can deliver it and the other guy can't, I'm going to put my own name on it and say, you know, here. So, you know, I don't have a temporary solution. I've got income forever now. You could become the next big name in yeah, exactly. speakers or control or whatever. I want to know what Ernie's going to name his speaker company. Should just be EB, EB As speakers. It, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's another company that has kind of similar initials and sounds EB. I mean, you can counterfeiting there. You just yeah. kind of playing off the name a little. Maybe a um, a, a name. Issue. They might sue you for name infringement, but <laughs> they'll be like, "Wait, it is my name." Wait a second. <laughs> well, all right. Thank you guys so much for another awesome conversation this month. Um, Ernie, how can people get in touch with you if they want to? You can usually find me on LinkedIn. Fantastic. And Rob, how about you? I'm with Ernie, LinkedIn. And Scott, where can they find you? Uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, and I'm, I'm going to be a salesperson, evspeakers.com, uh, I think, going forward. <laughs> find me there. <laughs> and as for me, you can find me on LinkedIn or on Twitter at smearin underscore off underscore ice. Uh, Thanks again for another awesome episode. 
and we'll see you next time on EdTech.